Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Jana Denton-Howes, and it's an absolute delight to have you here. I'm a marriage and intimacy educator, as well as a creator of the Wanting It More program, which has helped thousands of women who are married to men want and enjoy it more in the bedroom. You know, having low desire was something that I personally struggled with for years in my marriage, so I absolutely get it all. You are not alone. Just a heads up, I use all the words in this podcast, so if you've got little ears around or you're in public setting, you may want to pop in some earbuds. I hope you enjoy the episode. Before we get into the episode today, I want to share some exciting news. In preparation for our June-July round of Wanting It More, I'm hosting a free live introductory class called Wanting It More 101, Increase Interest and Enjoyment Without Pressure or Guilt. This would be fantastic for you to attend if you like the themes on the podcast and want a more in-depth, step-by-step look at how to want and enjoy sex more. There will be a live Q&A at the end, which is actually the only opportunity other than within my program to get your questions answered by me personally in real time. You can join as a couple or alone, whatever works best for you, but the class is directed towards women who are married to men. It's 90 minutes long, and the two times I'm offering it are on Monday, May 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and Thursday, May 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. There will be a recording, but I really encourage you to attend live because it's incredibly powerful and healing to be in a space with hundreds of other women who understand what you're going through. The feedback I receive usually says something like, oh my gosh, I finally realized I'm not alone. Because, you know, with this topic, we all feel very alone and like our situation is very unique. So to go to register, to register, go to janetandhenhouse.com slash free class. The link will also be in the show notes. It is on Zoom, but for this class, I do use a special feature so that your video and audio is not on. And unless you choose to participate in the chat with your real name, nobody will know you're there. I really can't wait for these classes. I only get to run them three times a year and they're honestly so much fun. So if it feels like a good next step for you, go ahead and grab a spot and I'll see you there. And also, I hope you enjoy the episode today. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. I am your host, Jana, and today we're talking to another guy. What a treat. We have a couple of them this month, which I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. May I just say that that has been a completely unexpected delight of starting this podcast. I had no idea guys would want to listen to this, and I had no idea that guys would want to come on to a podcast about sex. So, Rob... Thank you for being here. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, one, thank you for allowing me to come on your podcast. I was really excited about the opportunity, specifically because my wife, Erin, had her chance to be on your podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at it as a great way for us to push forward together. But one thing that I found that was super helpful was um, I, I also found a WIM group through uh, Telegram. And the dialogue and conversation that, were, that was and is happening made me realize that there needs to be more of, of us men uh, participating, supporting, uh, having conversations around. And so um, I just thought it was a, a really good opportunity for me. I am an entrepreneur, so I own um, a handful of businesses and uh, uh, across various industries and such. And um, just enjoy my life the best I possibly can and focusing on spending time with my, my wife and family. That's my driver for sure. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. So just give a little context about that group. We were experimenting a little bit with having mm-hmm. support calls for men last round and, of wanting it more. And this round, actually, we're going to be having weekly calls for husbands. And a group of them decided to get together, completely not connected to the program. But uh, that's really cool to hear that it's going well and inspiring uh, folks to come on the podcast and share a little bit more information. You know, I'm an entrepreneur as well. I'm just may not be connected to sex at all, but I'm curious, do you find it hard to stay connected to your family when a lot of your brain is probably taken up by business and ideas and all of the million things that go into running, I mean, multiple businesses, I can't even imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, and as I, I, I know you're an entrepreneur as well. I can tell by everything that you do. And that's one other reason why I was excited to talk to you, but absolutely, you know, as living the entrepreneur's life, there's also the entrepreneur's entrepreneur's dilemma, which is where your, your brain is always working. And so it's really, really important uh, to be able to stay in the moment present, if you will. That's something I've had to work really, really hard on. Uh, Aaron, my wife has been um, very, very helpful with, making sure that I'm not in the future or the past, but I'm staying present. But it's still a challenge for me after I've been running businesses for 17 years and um, still to this day, despite the fact that I have way more time now that I had in the beginning, it's still a constant pull, uh, you know, whether it's one o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon, um, I'm always carrying that luggage with me as I'm sure you know that all too well. So it's just, a, yeah, it's just a, an ever-present challenge, but. I think you might agree that would you, I would never want to have it any other way. It's just everything is about a balance in a relationship, even if it's to the business itself. Yeah. So relatable. I mean, I only run one business and it's pretty simple. So <laughs> I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's this connection between men and work. Uh, I hear a lot from women who say, my husband's not present, he's not around. And then I also think, well, we live in a culture that tells men that they need to be the provider, that that is part of their value and their worth. Have you worked through any of that yourself? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's uh, been a huge, huge component of one, um, just my my upbringing and uh, and how I how I work, um, not just in business, but also in my personal life. I grew up. I had a father who was also an entrepreneur, but not very good at business. Uh, and I grew up with three sisters and a mom. So I was mostly raised by, uh, by women. And uh, I understood, um, even if it wasn't really communicated, that uh, my father's value to our family was the provider, um, not the nurturer. And which is, uh, I think, is very common, especially in our culture. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the idea of the boy code, where, you know, you're basically... Um, you were indoctrinated to not show emotions and, you know, be the hunter hunters of the, for the families and such. And, um, I know that that is, um, that it is a cultural, it's a cultural driver. So you have to, I find myself constantly having to battle that, but I still feel that, you know, that is my value. That is part of my value but the relationship I have with my family is that I am a provider. Um, but you know, that it's, it can't just be that one dimensional piece. And I, I know from talking to other men and friends, especially that, um, they themselves 
don't understand or don't know how to um, explore their their value to their family past their paycheck and their and what they provide. I've I'm more fortunate because I grew up in a very female centric world. Even my father, who was an entrepreneur, he was actually an OBGYN. So we've been in the women world for for life, right? And so, but a lot of my guy friends, they are on the opposite end of that spectrum. I mean, they, uh, you know, they're, they're very, very meat and potatoes. Uh, men go out and make the money and take care of the family. And that's their role. That's their value. Um, for, I, I'm very, very lucky that I, I've lived on both sides of that fence, but it's still something that I see day in, day out. And even I struggle with a little bit. Yeah. That, gosh, there's just so much to unpack in terms of gender roles and oh, yeah. how things are changing and how I was listening to a video, I think, about a guy talking about how the pendulum has swung in the complete opposite direction and how women are taking over the world now. And it's just like, can we all just get along? Get along, and, right. You know, see each other as we have unique value and, and you know, we can be a strong team. Yeah. Um, men and women. But if you don't mind me saying sorry i like to talk a lot but uh one of the things that why i think this is so important specifically what you are doing uh championing this and uh, being a driving force is because it is entirely needed um not just for us as being married couples but also for future generations there needs to be more of this you think you guys talk about in in whim you talk about equity when it comes to in the bedroom but I think it also kind of translates further into um, being equal, being uh, or re-establishing the dynamics and relationships and roles and supporting uh, supporting each other. One thing that I try to do, I try to wait. I, I do way more around the house than a lot of uh, the guys that I know, um, and it's and it's very different than growing up. We lived in a very, even though like I mentioned, we had a. Uh, Three, three sisters and a mom. My dad was a was of the old patriarchy. You know, he would um, sit down for dinner and get up and leave the table without cleaning up. And uh, he would go sit on his chair and watch TV while everyone did stuff. And um, I knew that that wouldn't work. First of all, my wife would kick my ass if I did it that way. But it's more of a it's a respect thing, right? It's like no, we are we're in this together. This is part of our relationship. But I just think that it, the little things, little aspects of um, finding ways to be equitable, but also um, being uh, accountable to each other in relationships is important. And that's why, I, again, what you're doing is uh, the world's work, in my opinion, for sure. Thanks, Rob. It's really nice to hear that from the guy. Really still hard, though. I'm just going to be honest. It's still, it's freaking hard. I mean, even going, watching my wife go through whim, which I, I uh, fully back encourage and so forth. But I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I really wanted to participate in this is because um, there's just an untapped need on the opposite side for men. Uh, I see it in the way that our group communicates. I hear the uncertainty and the um, confusion on the male side and you know we we've been living and been taught this way our entire lives and uh, you know they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks but we got to try right so just the more more men that can be involved in this and that can spend time 
learning about it and understanding, but also with all due respect, the more that you can provide information for men. Uh, again, not that it's, you know, this is, should be about the men's world, but there's just a need on that side in order to be successful for the, the female side. Yeah, I agree. And I'm seeing that more and more for sure. And it's one thing to work with the willing, and then it's another to try to convince folks who are not ready for that yet. When you said the old way, could you describe it a little bit about maybe how you thought before or what you are hearing other men talk about? For sure. Yeah. And again, you know, um, because I grew up in such a female centric world uh, where, you know, I was immersed in all the things that are women related. I'm just, I'm very comfortable. Sometimes I'm even more comfortable being around women than being around men, uh, aside from me just playing sports and so forth. But just the old way of even coming from that world, I still have this expectation that, you know, um, the way that the way that this works, our relationship when it comes to sex is that uh, men have a higher sex drive than women and therefore men need men need sex more. And therefore, uh, whether it was stated or unstated that women should my you know, my wife should then be able to perform in the ways that I need to meet my needs. And uh, I always thought of myself as somebody that was a champion for women. I never actually realized that, holy shit, there's a whole nother aspect of this that I never even thought about. And man, that sucks that now I'm 42, 43. And it's like, well, I wish I would have known this when I was 15, 16, 17. Um, Not that I ever mistreated women that I could think of, but um, just uh, again, the old ways of, you know, in some way, shape or form, well, women are there to perform and to serve in, in some of these aspects. I'm not trying to be crude. It's just part of that reality without actually saying that um, sex should be uh, pleasurable or it shouldn't happen at all. Uh, women should have just as much of say in what happens uh, before, during, and after. And that Again, of course, there's there's other spectrums of the relationships outside of sex. But when it comes specifically to sex, you know, I was always indoctrinated with, well, you just have a higher sex drive. Men are put on the earth to spread their seed, and that's their job. And even now, I still battle some of that because, uh, you know, how do we evolve as a human beings uh, and learn from this while still being able to uh, to say like, well, yeah, men and women are different, but that doesn't mean that we should be treated different. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Do you think there's any fear from from men going from this is my need, I should be able to get my need met to, I don't know, this sort of big unknown? Yeah, there. I think uh, you hit the, the nail on the head. I think fear is at the root of all, even I felt myself being fearful, not when Erin decided that when she found you or you found her via Instagram ads, good job, by the way. Um, but, you know, you tapped into something that she was looking for. I was fully supportive of it. And then, of course, my excitement when I hear wanting it more is like, oh, my God, we're going to have sex all the time. I'm going to have to send my kids to camp so I can do it. But then it's like, no, when you start to unravel and realize that it's a Trojan horse in that sense, like, you know, there's an absolute aspect to what it takes to want it more. And then, then a fear sets in, like, will I ever have sex again? I remember when we had our first child, my wife is very much into finding um, 
solutions to problems that she has. And I remember she found a class called Will I Ever Sleep Again after our baby, our daughter was born. And I remember thinking that I was driving and I was like, oh my God, will I ever have sex again with, with Wim, right? And, um, and even now there's still moments of fear. I, in, in the group a couple of days ago, I provided feedback to someone who's living in a fear state, right? And the thing about it is that it's, you know, and I mentioned to him uh, that it, it's up to us. We have to be courageous in this, right? And courage is that midpoint between cowardice and recklessness. And we have to make sure we stay in that center point because um, we have to be we have to be courageous to support, but we also have to avoid being reckless to where um, if we're not getting things the way that we expect it to be, that we work out of anger or we act like little babies where we you know bite back. Uh, so, but it all stems from that place of of fear, uh, which is a it's an ongoing thing, and I'm sure it's, it's still going to continue. Even though we've found success with Lamb, it's still going to continue. There's always fear. What do you think the fear is about? Um, I think it's different for individuals, but I would assume, I'm, I could speak for myself. Um, I think for me, part of it is the, when I think about, I had to do my own soul searching about what sex meant and means for me. I think in some sense, because of the way I was raised, because of my experiences growing up, I think sex also provided a form of validation for me. And so part of it is that, um, and again, it's different for each person, but when that was under threat, the fear of that being taken away, you know, part of me, I think, connected to the fact that, that I, I won't be able to use that as a form to validate that um, I, uh, and validate meaning that you're loved, right? Because there's this, for me, there's a, there's a, a bridge across sex and love, just when it comes to my wife. Um, and part of when I realized that sex for me wasn't just about the pleasure or the orgasm aspect of it, that was the result. But you know what that actually meant to me from a, a comfort and safety standpoint. So when the idea of, um, when the idea of her going on her path to find her place for sexual wellness, the threat and the fear was that, what is that going to do to me selfishly? What is that? What does that open up? Um, what sort of jeopardy does that put me in when it comes to those, you know, those, those deeper rooted validations that, that I was getting through sex, uh, which I could say that going through that process, even together, um, I don't necessarily have that same connection to the validation as a result of the program itself. But I think that's for me, that's, that's fear. Yeah, that's definitely a common thing I hear. Have you found other ways to validate yourself? Um, yes, I have. One of the suggestions I think that your husband made in one of the videos was about uh, finding your other passions or finding like um, hobbies to do outside of that. And so part of that oddly enough i have found ways to validate myself as a valuable person uh, through different channels um so that's been a really great path for me i'm very much into cars so i was able to you know start going to more coffee and cars with guys you know and that's been a really great way for me to find validation socially that's not sexualized a second path for me is i'm, I'm a huge avid reader i try to read as much as i possibly can 
It wasn't always that way. Uh, but for me, that's been a true benefit because uh, one of the areas that I, besides business, I like to s- study about is psychology um, and uh, human evolution and so forth. So being able to dive deeper into my own psychology and understanding some of this, there's a really great book called Mating in Captivity uh, that I read as a result of uh, whim. And um, it was just really, really great. Aaron read it as well. So yeah, there's ways that I've been trying to find other routes, but your husband's suggestion of, you know, don't be, the one thing I'll say too, is that um, I realized through this process and through your husband's words that I was putting way too much emphasis on the sex, way too much emphasis that if we don't have this sex, then this means all these bad things for me. And started to then, you know, take some of that power away from it and realize like I can find other paths to, um, to get nurtured and to find validation. So I've looked for those paths and I think other men have to do that as well. There's plenty to do in the world. When do you think that happens for boys, that connection between your value and your worth and uh, sex? I mean, I would think way before age 10, for sure, somewhere in the five-year-old range, when you start developing memories. And, and I mean, I look at, we have a son as well. And that's something I think about often is, you know, when is he learning? What is he learning about this? Because, you know, I, I realize obviously, and I think everyone knows this, kids are such little sponges. Um, but we as adults, we don't realize some of the things that we say and what they pick up on. And even though our kids aren't looking for that information, they're finding it in the way that we communicate. Um, so I do think that that started to happen uh, in what I experienced as far back as I can remember, age four, age five, watching my father. Uh, hearing the words that were coming out of his mouth, seeing things in um, uh, in my family, seeing things in society and advertising, all of this. So, and, and that's why it ties back to, you know, this is such an important thing that we, you are doing, and it has to start getting shifted down to younger generations so that they can see positive change going forward. How old is your son? Uh, my son is four. Okay, so he's just hitting the, those years that you're talking about. He, he is, but then I realize also I watch him. My kids love to be naked, right? We we don't we do not at all. Um, we go out of our way to make sure that they are not shy or uncomfortable with themselves. And our daughter, she has no problem with this. I mean, she's literally has no problem with this whatsoever. She's six, and my son Leo typically doesn't. But there are times when I notice that he'll want to cover up. So he's already feeling something. And I know it's because somewhere somebody said something to him that made him cautious about that. Uh, And I don't think it was one of uh, myself or my wife. It could have been somebody else who very, you know, just in, uh, you know, just a loving way said, oh, you know, put your pants on, whatever the case may be. But where everyone's unique, he heard and he's taken that in in a different way. Um, and that's all starting to build his foundation for his sexuality. And, you know, but that's the thing is that you know, we're not saying like, okay, well, your job is going to be to make money for your family and your future wife, if you get married and you make your choice, but her job is to stay home and do the laundry and make, you know, all those things that we learn. But that's all stuff that I saw and that um, I learned growing up. And uh, that's been a little bit of a challenge too, actually, now that I say that with part of Aaron and I designed this life that we live 
in 2007 or 2008 when we first got together. We knew we wanted to be together and, and have enough time with each other. Um, and part of it was that I was going to build these companies and so forth. And, you know, part of one of our challenges in our relationship has always been that uh, sometimes I place, she feels that I place a higher value on what I do than what she does. And even if I don't say that, that's her perception. But then when I think about it, it's because, well, it's not just what I say, but it's ultimately what we learn from a society standpoint, uh, that men are the ones that are supposed to be, you know, the breadwinners and so forth. Uh, so yeah, that was a really long-winded way of me saying like, it's, it, it just happens. I don't know if I made sense there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think really what you're pointing to is that whether it's in parenting or marriage, it's not just the interactions we're having one on one with the child or the spouse. It's happening in the container of culture. And that's never ending. We're constantly being bombarded by messages that we're constantly having to question. Is that really happening in my marriage? Do I need reassurance? Do I need to unlearn something? Do I need to just get angry? And maybe not angry yeah. at my spouse, but just angry at the situation yeah. that's frustrating and hard. Yeah. And there's, those, are edu- those are opportunities to educate not only yourself, but those around you. One thing that, again, this comes back to some of your teachings, I believe, was I don't look at TV shows or movies the same way since um, Aaron has gone through this program, simply because... I'm picking up on things that I would have just ignored previously. And uh, even there's, uh, we took our kids to see the new Super Mario movie. And it was so great though, because I was, you know, in, in uh, old animation movies, the princess always had to be rescued by the prince and so forth. And there was, you know, the nice thing that I liked about this movie was that there was a sense of, um, equality, if you will, and you know what the princess can do than what Mario can do. And that's something that uh, I was, I thought about it going into the movie because my, my daughter had said something to me earlier in the year about, um, well, boys are just better than girls, right? And she heard that somewhere that was not in our house, right? And so, but part of that is she's also in a stage where she's a little bit boy crazy. And I'm trying to tell her like, well, it's okay if you think a boy is cute and so forth. But you have to understand your value in all of this as well. And you don't, I explained to her that any relationship you get into, what you're looking for is the balance of what I call three Vs. What is the, and it should be in harmony. The first V is value. What is my value to this person? What is their value to me? Then the second V is values. Do we align on our standards and principles that we'll interact with? And then also the most important one is being valued. What is required in this relationship to make me feel valued. And she understands the principles of it, but in my opinion, those are, you know, for any relationship, healthy relationship to uh, evolve and be sustainable, there needs to be a balance of understanding the balance of those three Vs. And so I work with her on, you know, do you understand your value in the world? And uh, she does, she's getting it, you know, and I, but I really want her to understand that sex and when she gets ready to talk about this, but when she's thinking about relationship with boys or sex or whatever, she has to know what is required for her to feel valued in that situation and not to give up some of those aspects in order to win the, you know, validation of somebody else. So, I mean, she's only six, but we're teaching her. That's fantastic. Starting young. I love it. These conversations happen and 
tiny little sound bites. They don't just yeah. happen in one big conversation. So it's just it's work. fantastic that she has a father who's going to be doing that with her and uh, good on you. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. As I have 13 and 14 year old daughters, so we're mm -hmm. really in the thick of it right now in terms of that and relationships. And um, I'm just so grateful for the foundation. Not that my kids haven't been influenced by culture, for goodness sakes. Right. Yes, they have. It's impossible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the foundations that my husband and I have set. I watch it. For me, I, I, I harp back, I think, quite a lot. Again, having three older sisters, I'm the youngest, I'm the only boy. But even looking uh, on the on um, being on the fray and looking how they interact in relationships, both past, present, um, and even though we lived in a aside from my father, who was a loving dad, he loved my family, uh, but realizing that you know, they always say your parents do the best they can with what they have, and um, watching my mom, who was a bit more submissive, and then passing down some of those traits to my sisters. Um, <clears throat> it frustrates me now, uh, not that I you know, point a finger, but you know, I really, one of the things that I wanna do is encourage my sisters to also look into the program when, just for themselves, uh, specifically one sister that I believe needs it more than most. Yeah, super cool. A yeah. brother encouraging his yeah. sisters. To yeah, baby boy. Hopefully they'll listen. Life. <laughs> yeah. That's radical, Rob. Yeah. That's super well, cool. Yeah. yeah. What I think about too, and I was, I mean, I, you got me thinking about stuff too. I remember being exposed to sex at a very young age, um, you know, when I was, I think, four or five, and uh, seeing sex on TV and uh, Playboy magazines and things like that with having no direction and um, even thinking about how that transpired over time to where we are today, where uh, just the explosion of pornography and the availability of pornography at any waking moment. Uh, those are all concerns for me going forward for my son and my daughter and uh, society as a whole. You know, I, and not to, uh, not to pass judgment on anyone that, uses pornography or looks at pornography, but, uh, you know, how, how, how do we put, how do we put, um, containers around it so that younger generations can understand that like, that's not normal. What they, what you see, what the performances that are happening there, you can't expect that in terms of the relationship that you're going to have with the significant other. And for me growing up in the digital boom, I mean, there was no one there to guide me, nobody at all. And of course you're, college guys and so forth it's like a pack of wolves you know what i mean it's like yeah uh, uh, and even though i could i'll say though one thing that i do remember going through college too and i'm sorry if i'm taking up too much time talking about this but i just remember about you know there was this there's a thing that i noticed in college with even the girls a lot of them when they got to college and they were away from under the parental supervision they themselves had no um, no guidance and the risk and the dangers that they put themselves in uh, because they were basically, you know, cage was open and everyone was running. It was, I think back on just, man, how dangerous that is and how that is an important aspect that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah. So little intentionality and so much. Oh God. Yeah. 
Yeah, just if it feels good, go for it. But it's often for women, it's not even about feeling good. It's about that value you were talking about. And it, it's also because what a lot of, and I, I've had a lot of girlfriends and conversations with girls and, uh, you know, you graduate from high school, you go to college, you got to meet your husband or wife at that point. So you're going to do whatever you can, because if you get out of college and you're not, you know, getting in a deep relationship, then the rest of your life is basically screwed. You're going to be a, you know, a spinster and blah, 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 all that crap. Right. But, you know, so I saw firsthand that a lot of people would, uh, both men and women would give up so much of their own autonomy in order, and also give up so much of themselves sexually in order to kind of lock that in, in many ways. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, God, we are so bad of when it comes to being, uh, educating ourselves on, on this thing. It's just crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, where are you going to go for education though? It's just not even, it's not even no. there. I mean, you're going to learn it, about STIs and oh yeah, but that's about it. No. And that's the thing too, is that even STI, right? So we always grew up knowing STD. I had a conversation with, uh, with, a couple of my guy friends and I was talking about STIs and cause I'm a car guy. They thought I was talking about, there's a, there's a Subaru that's an STI. It's like a race car version of it. Right. So yeah, no, I, I, I love those cars. They're great. I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm talking about STIs, right? Sexually transmitted infections and stuff. Right. But it's like, this stuff doesn't get discussed whatsoever. But even as, as, uh, um, I sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm some way somewhat evolved, but even, you know, just learning through this program itself, I, it has opened up doors that I, I didn't even realize were doors. I, you know, learning opportunities, even I'll give you a quick example. So when my, and she, Aaron might have said this to you, when my wife was pregnant, um, she was, uh, she, she wanted sex and she wanted it pretty regularly, right? And uh, for me, I was like, I can't keep up. I mean, like, I feel like I'm being hunted. Right. And, and the thing is, like, just recently after this whole process, I'm like, holy shit, I felt what you have felt your entire life. And I couldn't handle it for like, you know, four or five months. Right. And you've been doing this for 30 something years. And God, just, you know, is those are like light bulb moments that have all transpired as a result of this. What a gift. Crazy. What a gift to be in the <laughs> other sh person's shoes. <laughs> Yeah, what a gift. I mean, I even I think I mentioned that in my men's group about it. And of course, we all got a kick out of it, right? Because it's just, but it goes to that our minds have only really been um, uh, focused in one direction. We haven't been thinking about this is a two-way street. We've only been thinking about this is a one-way street. It's like, no, this is a two-way street. And we got to put ourselves in their shoes. We have to unlearn or be willing to be patient. That's a big piece of it is being patient. Um, so that we can, uh, you know, help um, give our ladies a step up uh, and find themselves in this too. I think patience is one of the most important pieces of it. Through this process, were there any surprises that you learned about your wife that you didn't know, things that she had felt? Or um, I know some men say, like, I, I thought she liked this sexual act, but turns out she didn't. No. Uh, well, yes, there is, but it wasn't, it wasn't in terms of a uh, sexual act. It was more, and it was heartbreaking when I learned about what you talk about as um, feeling safe or being unsafe and how it was totally floored me when we talked about how she has felt unsafe 
in our relationship, not because of things that I have done, um, but in just, I, I find my wife incredibly attractive. I mean, I'll be honest, like I love her to death. I, I only have eyes for her. And uh, sometimes you might, when I see her, especially if I catch her changing or so forth previously, you know, I might make a, a sexual comment or a pass or whatever it was. And it was always in jest, but it was a trigger for her that made her feel unsafe. But she never articulated that um, because she didn't feel safe enough to communicate that, even though she felt safe. Like something her and I have talked about quite a lot because I was like, you know, I've, I've tried to pride myself on being the anti-guy in some ways. Like I don't, I don't ask for things that I know she doesn't like. I won't put her in a position that's going to make her feel like she's unsafe, but yet I have because I wasn't aware of uh, the depths of her, um, her foundation when it comes to sexual wellness for herself. And fortunately, I don't know if it's fortunate, it's a hard thing to say, but it's because of these other experiences she's had through life that have put her in this almost like a PTSD side effect of things, you know? So learning that was, I opened my eyes for sure. That was probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, that was huge. And then I think that if I can talk about some of the challenges that I faced going through this process, I think that's one of the things that um, I'm noticing with a lot of my guys in the WIM group is that we're not fully equipped to deal with the challenges um, of uh, dealing, not dealing, that's a harsh word, but being fully supportive in this process, being patient, um, understanding this is not about us and um, being able to try to navigate some of the communication that's required. One thing I'll say about my wife, she's five feet of fury. Like she is a lover. She's a firecracker. And so um, sometimes the triggers can get her, can set her off. So trying to navigate those landmines um, and work with her during this process was tough. One thing that I really loved, but also hated about this process was that she started to found her power in this. And uh, in some, some ways, I think she may have overcorrected uh, in some of this where and I, that's one thing I struggled with was when it came to the difference between equality and equity and under, and looking for understanding in it, right? Like, well, well, you know, okay, well, now it's led by women. She's leading this entirely. So, you know, what do I do? Do I sit there? Do I lay like a board? And then if she touches me, then I react. And you know, so all of these things were really hard, um, but she was really great about it, but also... Um, I could tell that she was overcorrecting a little bit where she was trying to assert her dominance for her own protection. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just, that was something that, that was hard for me. And I realized in the group that some of the men are also struggling with this. Like men need that support in this process too. It was yeah. Tough. So when you change the rules really, and how do I do a good job? That's what I hear from a lot of men. How do I do this? How do I, yeah. how do I do it well? Cause I want to yeah. do it well. Can I make a suggestion? One thing I suggested to the guys um, in my group, I mentioned that 
you know, part of being in business, one of the aspects that I've studied and tried to train quite a lot on is negotiation. And one thing I said is that while uh, I believe that a, a framework or this, this foundation for WIM, a lot of it is about communication and support, but there's an underlying current that's not discussed, which is negotiation. And I suggested to the group that there are a couple books that are really good um, that they might want to spend time learning about. We negotiate every single day, thousands of times from you know, what time we're having a meeting to what we're eating for dinner to which route we're going home when we're with somebody else, so forth. And a lot of this in terms of support and being there for our wives is us being able to negotiate with them, not in ways to win, but in ways to support asking interrogatory questions as opposed to aggressively having conversations about, well, why didn't the XD go like this? Or why, um, why did we miss that XD? Or what, is, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. So finding ways to use interrogatory questions, There's a really great book called Start With No, which is a negotiation book. And I mentioned to the guys that, yeah, there's a business aspect to it. But on the, the, the bottom line is that we're in this, we are negotiating both husband and wives, right? And we're trying to negotiate to a place that is both healthy and safe so we can have prosperous relationships together. So it's not that we're using these negotiating tactics to manipulate to get what we want, but it's to find common ground that we can build from. I think that's a really important piece of WIM is the negotiation aspect when it comes to communication and navigating the program. Uh, because men are awful at communication to begin with. Uh, and so providing, you know, letting them um, or giving them pathways that they can learn how to communicate and negotiate and still get their questions across or get their concerns across. Um, that I believe is uh, something that is worth the time of the participants on the male side, personally. Yeah, well, great suggestion. I think I've read of uh, heard of that book, so I'll. Look There's another it. one with uh, getting to yes, which I don't like as much. Starting with no is actually a better one, in my opinion. Oh. Yeah, because when you start with no, then you're you know exactly like where you're starting, right? You're, you know, and again, the interrogatory questions are. Um, what can I do or uh, how does this work or not, you know, no yes or no's, but giving. And one thing I found really successful with Erin is by asking her those questions that I learned in negotiation tactics, it allows her to solve the problem, not I'm trying to solve the problem, which is really important in my opinion, because that's a, it's, um, it's an opportunity for Erin at least to be able to get more control over something that she's felt like she has little of. Uh, so yeah, it's been helpful for me. I think it could be helpful for others too. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Those open-ended curious questions that are saying, Hey, you're the expert in your life. Let me help. Let me understand you a little bit better Yeah. here. Often what I'll try to, usually I spoke mostly with women. And so when women come and say, my husband is, you know, we're hitting a wall and um, he's shutting down and saying like crossing his arms, mine then, you know, yep. Yep. it's just zoom out. Why are we here together? What's the whole yeah. point of this? And right. marriage is just a choice. I mean, we do feel like we're locked in, but ultimately we're not. No. Every day we wake up and say, I choose to be with this person. And 
how how do we see sex what's sex about in our relationship ultimately why are we doing this is yeah. it to get a few seconds of muscle contractions because it feels good or is there a bigger purpose and how do we both as a team get to that bigger purpose and so sometimes not always but that helps couples zoom out a little bit between the who's going to win in this interaction yeah that is a really really great point it takes me back to part of my understanding about what sex meant and means to me sex with my wife is yes of course the end result it feels great but part of that really is not just the validating part but it's the connecting part you know the we live in such a world where we're connected air quotes digitally to everything but we have i've never felt less connected as a result and ultimately the comfort of being in love with this person that is both choosing to be there and we're choosing this together, as you said, is such a vital element, but it comes back to what the, what is the value of sex for you individually and within the relationship? And that's a conversation I think everyone needs to have for sure. When, in all honesty, when uh, everyone's able, both parties are able to clearly articulate and communicate authentically about what it means to them. Um, because, you know, I've seen it before, both in myself and other relationships, where sometimes we'll, we're willing to say yes to something because we believe it's what the other person wants. And that's something I learned about sex with my wife is that there are things, um, not really, not like physical things, but she would have sex with me because she felt it's what I wanted, not that it's what she wanted. And that to me was also a, a punch in the gut when I, when I, re when I realized that, because that's the last thing I want. There's, there's, I'm not getting anything I want from that, nor is she. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Because that also put, places a little bit of a conundrum there. Well, I like the sex and I do feel can I feel personally as a man connected through it, but wait a second, you don't, you don't want to do that. That was out of guilt and pity and obligation, yeah. but I don't want you to do that, but I also want to keep on having sex. So it's, right. it's complicated. Right. It's incredibly complicated. Erin will probably talk about if she hasn't, but she talks about that. She's never regretted having sex with me. Uh, she, but it, because, you know, we, we do enjoy ourselves when we're together. However, she never started in a place where she wanted it. And not that she never did. That's, that's unfair to say that. And I don't want to put words in her mouth. But um, because of life, because of motherhood, because of all of these things, I mean, uh, and I feel for her. She, it's rough. It's hard. Um, I, as a man, I don't have the same, in some ways, obligations that she has as a mom. And I'm sure you understand that as well. Uh, and so the last thing she wants after my kids are crawling all over her and the last thing she wants is me to be tapping her on the shoulder as well. So that was, a, another moment where I realized, oh yeah, this, we need to be able to establish, um, a framework that really works for her and for me uh, that works for us together. Otherwise we're going to be, you know, that, you know, that quote about, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. We were just there, just, you know, we weren't being vocal about it. Yeah. And that now. way, 
the pendulum is not swinging in no. any direction. The pendulum is just right in the middle where everyone gets to feel pleasure and connection. Exactly. Which may look a little different than uh, what the society says. Yeah. And that's, I think, another important piece is identifying what that looks like. For you, one thing I'm always, I'm still interested. Um, I want to know more. I think one of the best exercises in the program was, I believe that um, one of them was where you encourage the ladies to write down what they like and what they don't like things that we say do touch so forth and so on and some of them a lot of them i knew already um but some of them i didn't and you know just little simple things really were able to give aaron i don't, I don't know if, is it wrong to use that word power but it gave her self power i guess back in uh the mix of uh sex in our relationship uh, and I'm really grateful for you for allowing her to uh, find a way to get there. Cause I think that was a huge part of the breakthrough for us as well. Rob, thank you for coming on and having this conversation on the podcast. Is there anything else that I mean, we, we, done we, our, we oh covered God, a lot of material we did. here. <laughs> we did. I hope but, I didn't talk too much. I'm oh sorry. gosh. No, this was a, it was a thrilling ride. It was fun. <laughs> uh, was there sure. anything else I don't want to end on, you know, end without you, you know, you're shaking your head, you're feeling. No, I think, satisfied. no, I do. I I'm hoping that um, there is more to come. You got the ladies covered for sure. But, uh, and my belief is that in order to really provide them paths to prosperity, if you will, it's going to require my side of the fence to understand, learn, uh, and then also, you know, be patient. Again, really great quote is that patience is bitter, but the fruit is sweet. And that's one of the things too that I think um, being an impatient person and potentially an impatient gender. Uh, I think it's, these are the support tools that the guys need in order to give the women their, their time to uh, figure it out for themselves and for us. But yeah, no, well, it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you oh, yeah. For, for just, yeah. Um, it was really neat to have you in this round, you know, as we figured some stuff out for men and again, hearing your feedback uh, I've never been in your shoes before, so <laughs> the same I need, ditto. Same I need to me. listen. <laughs> That's my role. Yeah. So yeah. So I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed this. Um, we are starting a new round of wanting it more very soon, so you can check that out at janetdentonhouse.com/slash/wantingitmore. And I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Great. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you 
so much for supporting this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want and enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janadentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the wait list, to learn more, and to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.